we start uh, this new series called Adore Him, uh, if in fact you love Christmas carols and uh, the uh, Christmas hymns, I uh, encourage you to be here every weekend because we're going to be just leaning in and really between worship gatherings and in worship gatherings. And because most of the uh, Christmas carols and uh, the Christian carols and the hymns are centered around adoring Jesus Christ. Everybody shout, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah, centered around adoring him. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about a different carol each, each week uh, inside of this series of Adore Him. So the carol we're going to talk about today, they just finished singing, What Child Is This? So if you would uh, stand on the reading of, of uh, God's Word, I'd appreciate it. We're going to read Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. Let me give you context. Uh, there's a storm that has arisen, and Jesus shows up having walked on the water in the storm. And the folks see him, they're frightened, his disciples are frightened, and he has this to say to them. But Jesus spoke to them at once Don't be afraid. Shout, don't be afraid, he said. Afraid. Shout, take courage. Shout, I'm here. Bless this teaching, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Now, as we get kicked off, let me just uh, reconnect you with something that I try to do periodically. And I actually have a graphic, but don't throw it up because it's not, you can't really see it. But it's a graphic that I pulled off of Facebook to somebody who heard me teach uh, on this message, uh, teach on this point about a year ago. And that is, that here we use a triangle to answer the question, am I growing spiritually? Once you ask, let's say to the person, I wonder, are you growing spiritually? Ask the person next to you, are you growing spiritually? And so the, the normal say, well, how do I know if I'm growing spiritually? What's actually growing? Is my nose growing? I mean, what's, what's, what's growing when I'm growing spiritually? I've suggested that there are three things that are growing. I just want to bring you back to it because this is the last month of the year. And so one of the things that ought to be growing is everybody shout trust. Your trust in Jesus. So when you look back in January and you look at where you are now, you can simply ask yourself a basic question. Do I trust Jesus now more than I did in January? Another thing that should be growing is everybody shout commitment. Is your commitment greater now to Jesus than it was in January? Everybody shout generosity. generosity. Is your heart expanding? That's the bottom line. Is your heart expanding? Is it softer? Is it, is it more generous? Uh, uh, do you find yourself connecting with those who are wounded? Uh, find yourself shedding tears? Are you being more generous in your, in your resources? So if your answer is yes to any one of those three things, yes to trust, yes to commitment, great, you're growing. If your answer to, is yes to any combination of all three, awesome, you're growing spiritually. If your answer is no, 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 well, keep coming to church. <laughs> so last few weeks we've been focused on generosity, generosity, shout generosity, trying to expand that heart. Uh, today, we're going to focus a little bit just on this notion of trust, our trust. trust. 
trust. And we're always working around that triangle. Whatever the teaching is, we're always working around that triangle. So you heard this, the uh, chorus sing that beautiful, one of the most popular Christmas carols in America. What child is this? The person who wrote that song uh, is a fellow by the name of William C. Uh, Dix. And uh, here's a picture of him right here. He uh, first wrote a poem that was entitled The Manger's Throne. And out of that, he developed this piece of music that was actually published in 1865. He was the son of a surgeon who also was a poet. And William himself was, an ins was a manager of an insurance company that provided insurance to ships and ship cargoes and personnels, etc. And what's remarkable about this particular uh, song is that the scriptural context for this song uh, is uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. The King James Version uh, renders it, uh, so Mary brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And it's as though William uh, finds himself among the crowd of people gathered around that manger. And, and, and he, he asks, the song begins with him asking a rhetorical question. What child is this? And essentially, his answer first and foremost is theological. He, that, that, that this song really lays out theologically that it, what we call the incarnation. Everybody shout, the incarnation. That's really the Christmas is about the incarnation. It's about God showing up among us. But it is also about the, the fact that Jesus is, is, is two natures. He is fully human, shall fully human. Most people uh, will look at Jesus, whether they're Christians or not, and they say, wow, he's a good man. You ought to imitate him. He's a prophet. He's a teacher. You know, most people, you know, historical figure, they say they all agree with that. Well, he's making this point in this song. And, but here's where we part company with a lot of folk because we also believe that Jesus is fully God. Everybody shout, fully God. Fully God. And so here's how he talks about it through this song, this notion of him being fully God. Uh, at the very beginning, he asked this question, started at the beginning, he says, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping while shepherds watch or keeping? Then he, then he answers it. Each stanza, he answers it. Next stanza, this this is Christ the King, right? The next stanza, he says, uh, Hail, hail the word made flesh, the one who nails and spears pierced him through on the cross, born for me and you. He's talking about the deity of, of God. And then in the final one, he says, The King of kings salvation brings. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, let's give God a hand praise that, that when we see Jesus, we're, we're seeing God with us who has brought salvation into our lives. It is none other than the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, that, uh, is, 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 that, that this is, uh, is, is built on when he says, so the word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So when you see Jesus, you never have to ask where God is. Wherever Jesus is, that's God, right? But he's also human, right? And, and so the refrain in the song keeps coming back that this babe 
is the son of Mary, which is, 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 is William's way of reminding us he's also fully human. Well, here's what's fabulous about that. Hebrews 4.14 reminds us, this, this is one of my favorite verses about the humanness of Jesus. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And here it is. This high priest of ours, everybody shout, understands. I love this part. Understands our what? Weaknesses. For he faced all, shout all, all of the same testings. Another version says temptations that we do. Yet, shout yet, he did not sin. I love this. Don't you love this? That Jesus understands our weaknesses. He understands every test that we face in life, every temptation that we face in life. And while he is without sin, he, he, he knows. Listen, here's what I like to say. We may never know what it's like to be Jesus, but Jesus knows what it's like to be you and to be me. Knows what it's like to be alone and lonely. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, he would say. He knows what it's like to be uh, homeless. He says, fox have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. When you read the Gospels, you never read one time that Jesus went to his home. Never. He was an itinerary, moving about, uh, homeless. One would argue. He knows what it's like to be abandoned and so forth and so on. So when you go to Jesus in prayer, you're going to someone who, in the language of the street, Jesus declares, bring all your burdens to me because I feel you. I'm going to tell the person next to you, Jesus feels you. That's what the young people say on the street. Now, I may have out, they may have gone past this point, but they used to say this on the street, which means I feel you, which, which is their way of saying, I understand, I understand, I understand. I feel what you're feeling. We're here. And Jesus says, when you come to me, I'm not some God out in the abstract reaches of the universe. I know what it's like to struggle with what you're struggling who wouldn't want somebody like that in one's life? And so the first theological point really comes in at, the, at this point. He's fully God. He's fully human. Well, the William story continues. It is said that at the age of 29, he was stricken by some terrible illness. And he came to the very edge of his life. And for many, many months, no one could figure out how to make him better. So he was bedridden. And as anyone in that context would uh, suffer, he was not just suffering physically, but he went into a deep depression. This place of feeling isolated and alone. And I'm sure he felt as though God had abandoned him. And whatever faith he might have had, he, 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 he inevitably felt, it's just not working for me. And then the historian says that he decided to just read through the scriptures. How I many of you know just reading through the scriptures, God can begin to talk to you and work with you and speak to you in a powerful way? So he just started reading through the scriptures. And no doubt he really, uh, stuff started to happen as he started reading through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, especially Mark and Luke. You, 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 you hear echoes of Mark and Luke in this song 
uh, the Magi and the shepherds and all of that there. And, 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 and historians cannot explain it. They do not know exactly what happened. But, but what, what, what inevitably they say, he experienced a spiritual reawakening. You, you, you know, here's what I think would happen. When we hear the incarnation, when we see this baby that's in this manger, and we know that that's not just flesh, but that's deity, what we actually hear is the verse that I read earlier. What we, what we hear God saying is, whatever you're going through, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's going to take, it's going to take courage now. That's the, that's the, it's, it's not just about laying down. Your, your ability to confront it is going to require you to be courageous. But at the end of the day, know that I'm here. Tell somebody, Jesus is here. He's here. He's here. And whatever he read in the gospel, Williams, it awakened him. He, I, I just say that somewhere within him, I, I know he heard the echoing voice, don't be afraid. I know you're facing death. I know you don't know how long. But don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Just get courageous. Come what may, as long as you know I'm with you, you will overcome even death. Come on, let's give God a hand praise for making us overcome us through Jesus. And so we see these echoes of Matthew and Luke. Many of you may not know uh, the writers of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. This is why we call them the Gospels, because they tell the story of who Jesus, uh, how he lived his life on earth. But they do it from different vantage points. And to get a full picture of who Jesus is, you actually have to read each of the Gospels because each one looking at Jesus through a different vantage point. When you listen to the song, you'll see that that, uh, William zoomed in on Matthew and he zoomed in on Luke together, together, together. Because uh, 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 here's the point, that the two of these Gospels together makes the point that Jesus came to all of us for all of us. Everybody shout, all of us. He came to all of us and he is for all of us. Tell the person next to you, that includes you. Now here's how it's illustrated. I love this. It's one of my favorite things to do and uh, when I think about how the, the Matthew and Luke's gospel telling of the birth of Jesus. What child is this? They, they're answering that question, right? Matthew answers it from the perspective of the high and mighty. Matthew tells the story about the magi, we call them wise men, coming, asking, where is he born, the king of the Jews? In chapter 2, he, Matthew uh, 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 helps us to discover these, these magi. They are well-educated. They are, they are uh, super wealthy. They, 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 they have scientific minds. They study the stars. And, and they've heard over the, over the decades that there is one to be born in Jerusalem that is going to be a transformational figure in history. And because they've studied the stars, they, 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 they see there's something unique about this particular star. And so Matthew 10, uh, Matthew verse 2, chapter 2, verse 10, uh, finds us with them following the star. And it, and it comes here, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy because it's over the house. Watch this next verse. And then they entered the house where Jesus was and saw the child with his mother, Mary, 
And they bow down and worship him. This notion of deity comes out there. Then, listen, this is key. They opened their what? Treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, which also means incense, and myrrh. They gave him gifts of treasures. They opened their treasure chests because they were wealthy. They had gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to present as an act of worship. Now Luke tells the same story, but he tells it from a different perspective. Rather than talking about it from the perspective of the wise men or the magi who's at the, you know, in the upper salon of, of society, in upper class, Luke tells it from the bottom. You remember how Luke starts, right? Luke chapter 2, the same chapter, right? He picks up, just, he, he tracks with Matthew chapter 2. It starts in verse uh, 8. He says, now there were shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night right outside of Jerusalem. Now, I'm sure some of you remember like I do. Some of you who grew up in church, uh, you, you, you know, you, you might have played the shepherd. I, I played the shepherd more times than I want to remember. And here's what was unique about me when I played the shepherd. Whenever I played the shepherd, my mother made sure that I was bathed and clean, that I had on clean clothes. Come on now. My one pair of shoes was shining and everything. And then she put a drape on me. Y'all know they used to make them use those sheets, sheet, right? S-H-E-E-T, sheet. And so they made a covering out of sheet for me, right? And all of that. And I, you know, and I remember those, 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 those incredible lines. Let us go see. Remember that? The shepherd's line. Well, my mother was, uh, was, uh, was, was wonderful parenting, but theologically inaccurate. So what do you mean? Well, the shepherds in Luke text, uh, they didn't have no clean clothes. They didn't have any baths. Come on now. They, they, they were keeping watch over the sheep at night. They were sleeping with the sheep. The, 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 the shepherds in Luke text, they were the marginalized. They were the poor. They were the people who couldn't get a job in the city. Uh, among the marginalized and the poor were some criminals and some thieves who had, who had, who had, had worked their way into the ranks, y'all. Uh, 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 the, the shepherds in Luke text, uh, most of you would not invite them over for dinner. And if you did, you'd hide the china. Come on now. Uh, 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 they had a record. The shepherd in Luke's text, come on now, had a long record. They, 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 come on. They, 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 they. South Bottom. Now, this is what's so fascinating. Well, this gets me excited because I, 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 I grew up in the, come on, the shepherd class. I get me excited. Come on. In, in, in Matthew, in Luke 2, uh, look, look what he starts in verse 9. Look at, look what he says. What, look what he says. Suddenly, everybody shout suddenly. An angel of the Lord appeared among them. And, and then the radiance of the Lord, uh, uh, then the radiance of the, of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were what? Look, here's the scene. Here's the scene. Suddenly, they're, they're out here in the dark, just the stars in the, in the sky. And they're, they're all taking care of this. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this flash of light surrounds them in my mind. It's kind of like, like the police shows up, right? And everything is just lit up. Right? Said, oh, my God, what happened? He did it. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. But it turns out it's heaven invading earth. 
It turns out it's, it's, it's heaven creating a royal treatment for the folk at the bottom. Y'all, they listed it. So, and so he says, so they were terrified. Next verse, watch it. But the angel reassured them. Here it is. Don't be what? You're going to need some courage. Don't be afraid. You're going to need some courage. But what we're about to tell you is going to be good news and it's going to remind you even in your worst times. Don't be afraid. Take courage for God and his son Jesus is with you. Did you say good news? Oh, yes. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to what? All of the people, folk on the right, folk on the left, people up there, people down here. Come on now. Uh, 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 next verse. Uh, uh, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Uh, uh, next verse. And you will recognize him by this sign. For you'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. as poor people clothing for babies lying in the place where the sheep place where the sheep eat that's where he's going to be lying at the bottom see I know in this society we measure from the top down but God says he starts from the bottom up come on in the manger y'all and, and, and so the shepherds go and the scripture says they find the scene exactly the way it was described and then all of a sudden you know, the place is packed with onlookers. The shepherds start going around telling people, man, let me tell you what happened. We were out in the fields. This light came out of here nowhere, and the angel showed up. And by the way, verse 13 says, and a whole course of angels joined them at the end of the day. And they told us where to come. They told us that this birth was for us. Come on now. And they told us everything. And, and the text says that the people who heard them were astonished, shout astonished. Uh, and they didn't believe them. Why? Because these were poor people, marginalized folks, and some criminals mixed up in there, people with record, folk who didn't have any credibility. And, 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 and if heaven was going to show up on earth, God, he certainly is not going to show up on the poor side of town. Oh, my. Now, watch verse 20. Here's how it ends. I love this. Watch this. This right here is going to be worth your showing up for church today. Tell the person, get ready, get ready, get ready. Tell them, don't miss this point. This, this point, we're setting up right here. All right, here it is. The shepherd went back to the flock, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. This is how Luke talks about it. It was just as the angel had told them. But notice what's missing from this verse. There is no mention of them reaching into any treasure chest. There's no mention of them bringing out more myrrh and, 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 and frankincense and, and gold. Why? Because they, they have no treasure chest. All they have are empty hands but full hearts. Come on now. Because they've got the gospel here. And they bring God their worship. And they give him their lives. All right, Hamilton, what are you talking about? Well, uh, the point here that Matthew and Luke says is that Jesus' birth is for everybody. Come on now. From the rich to the poor. Come on, from the poor to the wealthy. For everybody. Shout everybody. All right, now here, 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 here's the insight. <clears throat> While there are shepherds, talking about the poor, in Silicon Valley, some of us, some shepherds are here. But in America, 
Even most shepherds live like magi. And at Christmas, you, you can stay with me. Minimally, we act like magi. What do you mean, Hamilton? Oh, I like how y'all ask questions. My wife, every Christmas, basically tells me what she wants me to buy. Because she don't want me buying the wrong thing. I don't even tell her to go buy anything for me. I go pick it out. <laughs> Come on now. And tell her we agree on it. Y'all ain't listening. We don't even have to put it in a box. You don't even have to wrap it up for me. Come on. All right. All right. So Magi. And then every Christmas in our family, sometimes we got the nephews there and everybody got a whole house full. Fun, fun, fun. All through the years, we do basically the same thing. We gather around the tree and we tell the kids and everybody, before you open the, the, uh, the, the presents, let's read a scripture. We read this, the Magi scripture. And then we essentially say, now, God gave his son as an act of generosity for us. And so here at Christmas, uh, we are reflecting that love by giving gifts. Now watch me. We don't actually say this last piece. But by implication, it's there. We are reflecting what God did in Jesus, listen to me, by giving gifts to us. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? Jesus was a gift to others. But most of our Christmas is about gifts to who? Us, our children. Now, I'm not saying that's in the South Magi. I'm just saying we're in the Magi Christmas mode. Because the shepherds didn't have anything to give. So if you don't, there's some folk who don't have anything to give. And they get embarrassed at Christmas. They, Christmas is a depressing moment. But I'll just stop by to tell you, come on now. You don't have to have a lot to give. You just need to understand what's been given. Y'all ain't listening. Come on now. Everybody's welcome now. So here's what I want to make. Here's my point. It's all right to be magis. Magis are good in the story. It's all right to buy gifts for yourself. It's all right to buy gifts for your family. I'm not saying this wrong with it. But let me just challenge you. What if this Christmas, rather than turning the page from Dream Crazy Big, why don't we just, just you know, uh, uh, Eugene Peterson says, uh, discipleship is long obedience in the same direction say it with me say long obedience in the same direction why don't we stay with the direction we set watch this let me suggest some things before you buy your kids that $200 pair of tennis shoes I'm not saying you shouldn't buy it but before you do maybe take them pick a day between now and Christmas go to a homeless shelter and let them serve with you as you care for some shepherds. Come on, no, 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 no. Maybe you're not married and you, you and your boyfriend trying to figure out what you, can, what you can get for each other. Well, before you figure out what you can do for each other, Magi, let me suggest that maybe you want to think about 
uh, uh, going up to Stanford. You know, at Stanford Hospital, they got a ward with kids there. They had cancer and all these horrible things that are happening. Why don't you, why don't you spend some money first? You, you can spend several hundred on yourself, but first, shout first. Why don't you take some gifts up to Stanford together and just pass them out and, and love on the shepherds. Now, when you do, there's a thousand other examples that you can do. When you do, realize that when the Magi blessed the shepherds, the shepherds blessed the Magi. Oh, oh let me try to explain. Good, good. Because I know y'all want to know. Don't you want to know? There's a woman by the name of Rita Templeton. She writes a very popular blog. She grew up poor. She's now self-sufficient, etc. She grew up a shepherd. She's now a magi. But she shares some insight. She says that she learned some lesson from poverty. The first lesson she learned, and I'm telling you this because I don't want you to just go serve food at the homeless shelter. I want you to spend some time talking to the people. I want you to get inside their stories, right? Don't just visit the hospital. Get to know some. And you'll discover some stuff that will inspire you and challenge you at the same time. Poor people can teach you some stuff. Right? First of all, she said poor people, the first lesson that she wants to lift up is, is that not everybody who is on welfare is, is, is taking advantage of the system. Right? She, she, she talked about the fact that her and her mom, when they got ready to go uh, do food stamps, she was so embarrassed. Her mom would squeeze her hand tightly. said, it doesn't feel good to me either. She said, but don't worry about it. She said, this is this is a temporary, come on, that it's just going to help us to get to where we need to go. And she said that, that her mama worked two night jobs, two jobs, excuse me, two jobs and went to night school. And then when it was all said and done, they ultimately was elevated and they didn't need food stamps. They had what they, what they had. They moved from shepherds to magi. Wait, she said she also learned how to conserve. What do you mean? Well, she said, when you're poor, you got to be concerned about the water bill. Because if it's too high, they cut it off. So in her house, they would let the water stay in the tub for three days and take multiple baths in the same water because they didn't want the water bill, the thing cut off. She said she also, now when you talk to somebody like that, that challenges your values, doesn't it? it? And it inspires you. And then, and then she says she learned that, that, that about that poverty teaches her that life is about perspective. Shout perspective. She said, she said you might think that getting government cheese is embarrassing and it's about rubbery kind of experience. She said, but go without eating for two weeks. Suddenly that becomes a gourmet meal. She said, you might be embarrassed to drive around in a raggedy car. She said, but walk for a month. Come on now. And catch public transportation. Then you get hold to a raggedy car. You'll be blessing God you got your own wheels. Come on now. She said, life is about perspective. Now, when you talk to people who are struggling, come on, Magi, as you talk to the shepherds, God will use the shepherds to challenge and inspire the Magi. Come on now. And at the end of the day, everybody gets blessed. What child is this? Come on now. He's the Christ that brings us together in redemption. Come on, somebody shout praise God. 
All right, let me end it. I uh, picked this last story because it, it, it models what I like. Jesus, the child has grown up. Chapter 14. Jesus has just gotten bad news context. That his first cousin, John the Baptist, has been brutally murdered by an, an unjust government system headed by Harold, the king. And he wanted to get away, read the chapter. But the crowd discovered where he was, and he ended up having to care for the sick and minister to them all day. He ended up feeding 5,000 plus people. Finally, he dispersed the crowd, and then he says to his disciples, in verse 23, I believe it is, it says he insisted. Everybody shout insisted. The first point here is, is it says he, he, he insisted, which, which means that, that uh, <laughs> he insisted for them to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. It's bad enough to get in trouble. It's even worse to get in trouble when you're obeying Jesus. And, and the text tells us that, that that's how they got in trouble, obeying him. Secondly, the text says that he went up into the hills, everybody shout, by himself, to pray because he was feeling, he, he, you know, Jesus understand what it's like. He's grieving. He, he's almost in the same place that William is that was writing this hymn, uh, who's, been, who, who, who's feeling depressed. The text says he prays there and night falls uh, and finds him there, everybody shout, alone. He just needs to be by himself, just needs to be isolated, just get away from everybody to deal with his own grief. That's why he understands when you're going through grief. And then something exciting happens for the text. A revelation comes, at least for me. It says, uh, it says that the, but the disciples were caught in a strong wind and they were far away from the, from the shore. And, 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 and they were fighting heavy waves. Everybody shout heavy waves. I know somebody in here feel that way, right? Feel like one thing happened after the next thing, after the next thing, after the next thing, after the next thing, fighting heavy waves. And they don't know what, how it happened. See, the theological point is that Jesus didn't make the storm come. The only thing they know is they looked up and they saw Jesus walking on the water in the storm. And they didn't recognize him at first. They thought it was a ghost. They, they thought it, they didn't know what it was. Come on now. But, but at the end of the day, when he realized that they were afraid, the text says they were terrified, they were afraid. And then Jesus speaks those wonderful words to him. He says, don't be afraid. What you're going to face to get through this storm is going to need some courage. So take some courage. But I am here. How many of you know if he's here, it's going to work out, y'all? Come on now. Uh, it, it, it's going to work out. So I just want to end here, y'all. This, this is the whole point of the song. What child is this? This is the one who shows up. And Jesus answers the question whether or not God cares because he's proof that God is always with us 
Whatever we're facing, facing aging, facing cancer, facing divorce, facing economic challenge, facing the, the depletion of the resources at your job. Come on now. Uh, being kicked out of the CEO chair. Uh, whatever you're facing, I just want you to know that if you know who God is in Jesus, come on now. Don't be afraid of what's ahead of you. Doctor gave you a bad report. Don't be afraid. Come on now. Psychiatrist can't diagnose you. Don't be afraid. Come on. Just take courage and know that Jesus says, I'm with you. And if I'm with you, come on now, I'll have the last word. Amen. Come on, give God a hand and praise God.